I'd ask you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 tonight. Uh, we were there last Sunday morning and just reminding you again, this is Paul's last letter. He's writing it to his son in the faith, Timothy. And, and Austin, I don't claim at all to be your Paul because you have uh, a father and a father-in-law who have much more investment in you than I do. But uh, I do thank God for the three years that God's given us and and a little bit of influence and and as I was thinking about the challenge tonight, this is the thought that the Lord brought to my heart because my desire and my prayer for you as a uh, as a Paul to a Timothy is that you would be a useful vessel for the kingdom of God wherever God brings you uh, and this isn't just to Austin and Holly it's to all of us because we all ought to desire to be Uh, used by God and be a useful vessel through which God can work. And uh, God has uh, certainly has worked through their lives and I believe will continue to. So let me just read six verses. And I told you that I was going to bring a short challenge tonight. So I have shaved a minute and a half off of my sermon. (laughs) Did not lie to you. Verse 20 says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If, I would encourage you to mark that word, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Prepared unto every good work. Good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness and faith and charity and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Father, as we come again to your word tonight, we, our minds at this time are, are grateful, filled with gratitude for the ministry of Pastor Austin and Miss Holly and uh, their influence uh, in the lives of the young people in our church. And Lord, we thank you for the time that we've had with them, and we pray, Lord, now as they go from us, that you would use them in greater ways than ever before. We pray, Lord, that you would provide exactly uh, who is needed here. And we pray, Lord, that in both places you would be honored and glorified and that we would lean upon you ultimately, be obedient to you. And I pray even through this that our young people would be taught, Lord, to follow you wherever, wherever you lead them. Thank you for Terry and Donna as well, and their surrendered and obedient hearts to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would just uh, give us all this desire tonight that the Apostle Paul challenged to Timothy to be used by God, to be a vessel through which you can work. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I shared this little passage with our men this weekend on our trip, and just a, a, a snippet of the sermon and I shared with them I I don't know that there is anything in my life as an ambassador of Jesus Christ as a believer as a Christian uh, 
no greater fear that I have that I wouldn't be used by God. That I would be in a place where I am not used by God. That I am, I am on a shelf. I'm not useful for the kingdom of God. I can't think of anything that I desire any more in my life, in my Christian life, than to be a useful servant of Christ. And that ought to be the desire of all of our hearts. That we would be used by Christ. Why would we still be here if we did not have a desire to be used by God? And I have recently been reading through some of the New Testament, my devotions, and one of the books that I've been reading through is Philemon. And when I read this passage, immediately I was reminded of verses 10 and 11 in that one chapter uh, book of Philemon where, where Paul is writing to Philemon about Onesimus, who was the runaway slave. And I figured since Austin and Holly are running away, this was a fitting text. <laughs> Paul says to, to Timothy about Onesimus, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. And then he says this about him, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, not useful. He says, but now he is profitable to thee and to me. And let me just say, Austin and Holly, you have both been extremely profitable to the kingdom of God here at Faith Baptist Tabernacle. And you are to be commended for that. And I pray that as you go from here that this remains on your heart each and every day, that you want to be in a place of usefulness, that you desire to be used um, for the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ, and that there is always that unhealthy fear that is in you that you would be unuseful, you would be unprofitable. Paul writes of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, when he says, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Notice, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I myself should be unusable. And the thing about being a vessel or a servant in the kingdom of God is that it is a great privilege to be used by God. He doesn't need us, but he has privileged us to be a part. And yet we all know there are plenty of people who at one time were useful, at one time were profitable, at one time were in a place of great usefulness for, for God, but because of things that they allowed in their life, because of sin they allowed in their life, that they are in a place of, of unusefulness because of a lack of surrender to the Lord. So let me just walk through this uh, quickly this evening and just give you some thoughts about being used by God. First of all, in verse number 20, we see the picture of usefulness. This is a, an analogy that is given to us. He says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And of course, this was written in a time where people understood vessels. They were everywhere in a house. They didn't have all of the modern conveniences that we have today where you just go in there and go to the bathroom and flush the toilet. No, you went in a vessel and you took that vessel out. And there were what were called in houses vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Uh, vessels that were put on a shelf and were used for display. And then there were vessels that were dirty. They were 
they were used. And that's the word picture that he is giving here, is that there are vessels of, of honor. I believe when he speaks of the large house that he is speaking of the church. He's speaking of the church. And I'm not going to res- I'm going to resist the urge to to dive into this really deep, but what is the vessel unto honor and what is a useful vessel? Let me just summarize it by saying this, a useful vessel is a clean vessel. A useful vessel is a clean vessel. So we see not only the picture of usefulness, but we see the prerequisites or the price of usefulness in verse number 21 and 22. If a man, therefore, notice this phrase, purge himself from these. And he is referring back to men who had, who were no longer preaching the truth of the word of God, but were, uh, had fallen away in their teaching. He says, If he purge himself or separate himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. And then he says this, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So we see it very clearly in these two verses. First of all, a vessel unto honor must be sanctified, must be set apart, uh, must be separated from sin, must be separated from the world unto God. And that means that that as we acknowledge daily the authority of God in our lives, that we exhibit holiness and we exhibit obedience. In other words, our usefulness for God is directly related to our holiness, our cleanliness. A vessel unto honor must be sanctified. Secondly, a vessel unto honor must be surrendered and sold out. He says at the end of verse 21, prepared unto every good work, not only personal holiness, but personal obedience. In other words, the honorable vessel, the vessel that is profitable is a holy, obedient, zealous person separated from sin, separated from the world and our flesh and committed to submission to the master and zealous to serve, ready, prepared for every good work. Say, who can live up to this? All of us in whom the Spirit of God dwells. All of us have that potential. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, and I want you to notice the superlatives in this verse. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to be all that God wants us to be. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Again, Paul will challenge Timothy in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, we have all that we need to be all that God wants us to be. 
We have all that we need to be all that God wants us to be. The only question then is whether it is a priority for us to be a vessel of honor, a useful vessel in the kingdom of God. The grace and strength of God is there to provide the holiness of life, the obedient submission, and the zeal to serve if that is the desire uh, and our hearts are surrendered and committed to him. So we see a, a vessel of honor must be sanctified. A vessel of honor must be sold out and surrendered. And then we see in verse 22 that a, a vessel of honor must run from sensuality. Must avoid youthful passions. He says in verse 22, flee also youthful lust. Remember, Paul is an older man. Timothy is a a younger man, and Paul is making reference here that because of his age, Paul knew that Timothy would be faced with temptations that could destroy his effectiveness and his testimony. And so this is a specific expansion of verse 21. And I can't read that phrase, Pastor Austin, flee youthful lust without thinking of Joseph, another young man, who did just that. Now, I love these verses in Genesis chapter 39, verses 9 through 12. It says, There is none greater in this house than I, Joseph speaking, neither hath Potiphar kept back anything from me except for thee, speaking to Potiphar's wife, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And I love this phrase. He doesn't say, how can I do this great wickedness against Potiphar? Although it would have been. But first and foremost in his mind, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. It is to God. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day, she was persistent that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within, just the two of them. And she called him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. He fled youthful lust. Or as someone said, he lost his coat, but he kept his character. Fleeing is the negative, but he doesn't stop there. Not only flee, but what? Pursue. Pursue. In other words, avoid youthful passions and pursue godly character. Pursue what? Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. How many of you know it's not not good enough just to run away from something? you got to run to the right things. It's one thing to flee, but then it is something else to, to where are you going when you flee? What are you pursuing? What are you going after? He's very specific here. Pursue righteousness, faith, or faithfulness, love, peace with them that call on the Lord. Here's a key phrase, out of a pure heart. This is where it starts. To be a vessel of honor demands a clean heart. What we are on the inside determines our effectiveness on the outside. And you have been, and I encourage you both, be authentic, be real, be be who you are. Be who God is making you to be. Don't try to be 
your father, your father-in-law. Certainly don't try to be me. Be who God has made you to be. Be who you say you are. Be who you portray yourself to be. The picture of usefulness, the prerequisites of usefulness, and then thirdly, the perception of usefulness in verse 23. And this deals with our discernment, not only to pursue some things, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, but again, he goes back to some things not to do, what to refuse, verse 23, foolish and ignorant speculations. These questions, knowing that they result in fights, they result in disunity, He's saying here, avoid foolish controversy. It's almost like he could see into 2023 and social media and all the nonsense that's there. All the the controversy that doesn't matter at all. That is nothing more than a great distraction. Don't be baited into the distraction of debates centered around non-biblical issues and preferences. Don't get into the political debates when we have a greater mission to be involved in. Refuse philosophy and teaching of a new age that contradicts the truth of God's word. Filter all study. Filter all that you you study and read through the lens of God's word. Don't get so wrapped up in all the new writings of the age that you don't filter it through the word of God. Read and listen, Paul is telling Timothy, read and listen with a discerning mind. Don't ingest anything that would weaken your commitment to the word of God. Don't take in all the new age teaching. Brother Gerald and I were talking about this yesterday. All the new age teaching and set aside the authority of the scriptures. This is our our authority. Our final authority So when it says that there is a real place called hell, that means there's a real place called hell. When it says that the the Bible is inspired and it is eternal, that means that it is inspired and it is eternally preserved and kept. He speaks so here with clarity. Satan wants desperately for all of us to doubt that which God has established with authority and surety. Doubt is the great distractor from being and doing what God wants us to be and do. So we desperately need to, to memorize and frequently recall Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and, and honest and just and pure and lovely and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The perception, the discernment. Our mind is a treasure house, not a dump. And we must keep out the trash and we must replace it with the treasures of God's word. Don't lose your scriptural convictions. Do we want to be an honorable, honorable vessel? Maintain a discerning mind. Keep our mind pure along with a a clean heart. And then lastly, he says, he shows us the patient pattern of usefulness. And Terry and Donna, I couldn't help but think of you guys as well when I read these verses because when we were at the girls' home, these were some of the verses that God gave us that we went back to time and time again. Verse 24 through 26, the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, 
apt to teach, patient, and meekness. And here's a key phrase, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This is, it's really just another call to be Christ-like in our dealings with people that we minister to. And while we fight in a spiritual warfare, there is to be a gentleness in our demeanor. A gentleness in our authority, never harsh, never abusive, never overbearing, never unkind, never ungracious. We are to be approachable. We are to be easy to speak to. We are to be sensitive to people. That's to be the the demeanor of the servant of Christ, a gentle manner, a gracious spirit, treating all people with kindness and able to teach straightforward truth in a gracious and gentle way, not compromising on the truth, but doing it in a gentle and gracious way. The patient there means forbearing, forbearing when wronged. And you will be wronged. You will be wronged. And when those times come, you are to be gentle and you are to be forbearing and you're to endure mistreatment with graciousness, without retaliation. If we want to be a useful vessel, we we can't be self-justifying, we can't be self-defensive. And this is a call for humility, humbly instructing those that oppose themselves. Prayerful that they will repent and recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Let me just conclude it by saying this. Summarize this whole section. A useful vessel is selfless in the sense that he will die in the defense of his Lord, but not spend one ounce of energy in the defense of himself. He is selfless in the sense that he will be courageous enough to die in the defense of his Lord, but humble enough not to spend one ounce of energy in the defense of himself. Be gracious, be gentle, be loving, be kind. Speak what needs to be spoken. Humble correction is a part of real compassion. Do we want to be a vessel that can be used by God? An honorable vessel. A clean vessel. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're a gold or silver or, or clay or wood. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the deal. It was the cleanliness of it. We all come from different backgrounds. We all, some people may say they're shiny. They're polished. They're not so polished has nothing to do with whether you're used or not. It has to do with the cleanliness of the vessel, the purity of the the vessel. And it ought to be all of our desire to be used by God. It ought to be the greatest fear that we have in the Christian life not to be used by God. And we ought to pray every day You ever find yourself, God, use me? God, use me? God, use me? I pray that all the time. And when I was studying this, I read something that really challenged me. Because God will use us if we're clean. 
So maybe instead of God use me, God use me, God use me, we need to pray what David prayed in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because when we are a clean vessel, we will be a useful vessel.